0: It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast. With interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DiArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DiArmond and Mitchell Forty here. And uh, there's a game on Saturday. There's a game. It's going to be a game for, I don't know, a minute or two. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh... First of all, I want to draw your attention to the sponsors for the podcast. Speaking of a minute or two, if your medical devices, medical implants in your knees, shoulders, hernia mesh, pacemakers, wherever you might have a medical implant, if those are recalled, I would imagine you would want to know in a minute or two. Well, now you can. Medical technology that is moving at the speed of your smartphone right now, where do you go to find out if that is recalled or if there are problems? You go to trackmyimplants.com, and you will get notifications in real time and have peace of mind that everything is up to date with your medical technology. Also, welcome back, Mark Skid, to sponsor the podcast this week. Mark Skid, the underwear company run by a Mizzou fan that is making a difference in the world When you buy a pair at MarkSkid.com, $4 of your order is donated to your choice of their four-star charities. You can either save, feed, or cure the world. One pair will provide safe drinking water for seven years, feed a child in the developing world for 12 days, or vaccinate two children. You can make your mark on the world by going to MarkSkid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com, using the checkout code, Power Mizzou to get 15% off your first order and free shipping anywhere in the United States. So we're going to start things uh, broad picture, and then we'll bring it back to Missouri, Alabama with a preview a little bit later on. But we're going to talk national college football. Ralph Russo covers uh, college football all over the country for the Associated Press based out of New York. Ralph, how you doing?
1: I'm good, guys. How are you today?
0: Not too bad. Appreciate uh, Appreciate you taking some time. And, and I have to say, first impression, actually, there's a guy here on the Missouri beat who is from New Jersey. He sounds much more like New York East Coast. <laughs> I expected like this harsh accent that we get to see every week or hear every week.
1: Yeah, you know, um, that's funny. You're the second person this week that actually said that to me. Um, I've lived in, I mean, I've been in New York most of my life. Uh, uh, Save about seven or eight years. I spent some time in Mississippi and some time in Colorado. Um, I, I think there was a point where I tried to sort of lose the New York accent
2: a little <laughs> bit, uh,
1: but I would also say that get like two beers in me around my my, my college friends, and I sound a lot different. <laughs> like, I will sound a lot more like a New Yorker if I'm like thrown in my you know my family Christmas. Uh, gathering with a couple glasses of wine
0: well in the future we will all have two beers before doing this and it will be a much better podcast (laughs) but for now we will uh proceed missouri is going to tuscaloosa alabama this weekend i i've been covering missouri for 15 years it's the first time that i've been telling people like i can't really come up with a a scenario in my mind that Allows Missouri to win, or allows me to believe Missouri even has a chance to win this game. Everybody wants, like, we've given Nick Saban an elite quarterback. This is kind of unfair to the rest of college football, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, because you're right. He's never had this before, and that's sort of been the storyline of the season, right? I mean, he's always sort of done the I don't want my quarterbacks to get in the way of all of my good players winning this game, <laughs> right? I, I've got enough four and five stars everywhere else. Give me A.J. McCarron, who is, you know, who is a four-star quarterback, NFL guy, bounce around for a while. and uh, But that's all I need. If I just have that, that will be fine, and I can rule the world. And now two a it might be the best quarterback in college football. I mean, if he's not the best, he's certainly in that, you know, stratosphere. He's a gifted, gifted player. They've got really gifted receivers, too. They've also got two NFL offensive tackles who could be first-round draft picks. They've got three or four running backs who will most likely play in the league, a tight end who could end up being a first-rounder. Um, I could go on. I mean, but other throw, than that, yeah, but then when you throw a quarterback in there who's also a special player, you get this ridiculous offense. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I let's put it this way. I I don't see necessarily a path for almost anybody they play beating them. There's maybe two or three teams I could say, okay, yeah, you know, if um, they they might be able to go toe to toe with Alabama, but right, I, I don't I don't see anybody in the SEC aside from maybe Georgia.
3: Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, Ralph the uh, just kind of the, the ridiculous amount of talent around uh, Tua on that offense. You know, that I think that's prompted some people to uh, to kind of question. You know, is he really that good, or, or how much of it is is kind of the players around him? Um, you know, obviously his numbers would suggest you know, the the kind of historic uh, efficiency and accuracy that, that is more than, than just those guys around him. But but uh, what's your kind of take on that? Why do you feel like he he might be maybe uh, you know better than than just your average Alabama quarterback?
1: Yeah. I- I mean, listen, I think it, it, at Alabama, you're always going to have the best at your disposal. So any quarterback, again, is going to look pretty good. Um, I, I think, Tua is sort – of, and listen, the competition hasn't been great either. He's, he's playing again. Like, they, you know, they haven't yet to play a team that even remotely – so I, I, I'll, I'll take that back. Texas A and M remotely stands up to yeah. Alabama. Texas A and M is a legitimate SEC yeah. level football program. And Missouri is a is a program that should be able to sort of like cobble together something that could be a uh, you know, an impediment to Alabama. <laughs> but they're so good it just sort of they, they just tower over everybody else. And I think the thing with Tua is, again, a dynamic playmaker Someone who can sort of, you know, make plays on the move, do things outside the structure of the offense. Uh, really great arm talent. I mean, he's a little small, so I guess if the next level of the Tua debate come next year will be what is what is Tua's NFL future. We're not quite to debating that yet, though probably soon because that's the way these things go. Um, but yeah, he's just he's a next level talent, a you know, four slash five star quarterback. That, that's the, they never sort of dipped a toe into those waters. Those, you know, that upper tier of quarterback recruits never sort of managed to get to Alabama. And I don't think Alabama was necessarily tripping over themselves to get to that quarterback. And now I think as Alabama's offense has uh, evolved over the last few years and become more spread oriented, it's a little more attractive to that type of quarterback. And two is the first one to jump in the pool.
0: All right, Ralph. We'll get to some national stuff after this. Just one more on Alabama, and and I am not big because I remember, you know, when uh when Miami was the greatest team in college football and then lost to Ohio State, and then it was USC was the greatest team in college football and Vince Young beat them. So I don't like to crown anybody the greatest team ever in the middle of a season. Let's let's go make them do it. But somebody asked me earlier this week, what's the best college football team you've ever seen? I always go growing up in big eight country to nineteen ninety five Nebraska the tommy fraser team that that absolutely destroyed Florida in the Orange Bowl and their closest game was actually against a three and eight Washington state team that year is fourteen points. but what's the best college football team you've ever seen
1: that ninety five Nebraska team is definitely on the list um you know I, I guess I'm guessing I'm probably about the same age as you i'm forty i'm forty eight
0: yeah i'm forty two so, so.
1: Yeah, so it was the same ballpark. So we're talking about the same span here. And again, that 95 Nebraska team is definitely on the list. I think that there are there are a few um, you know, a few Miami teams from the 80s, but usually I'll go to the 95 Nebraska team, the 2000 Miami team. I believe it was the one that won the national championship or 2001. Now I am trying to remember. Whatever the one that blew out Nebraska. Um, with just, you know, just an absolutely phenomenal roster. And then you'll go to the USC team, I think it was 2004, that beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl and just, and just ran over Adrian Peterson and that bunch. Those three tend to be my go-to answers here. It's always been hard with Alabama. It's funny, like Alabama's run is probably the greatest in the history of college football. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I, nobody's done what they have done, especially on the, in the age of um, – scholarship restrictions. So I think their overall body of work, so to speak, over the last 10 years is unprecedented in college football, but none of their teams jump out as particularly much better than the other. Like they're all about, they're all the same level of awesome, right? This is the first one that I think has a chance to move into that conversation of a little different from the rest. They've all been excellent. This one I think could sort of morph into – uh, that conversation. Let's see what happens when they play LSU and 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 Mississippi State and Auburn. But th- there's certainly a, 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 the ability there for this to turn into that.
3: Ralph, we've uh, we've had a couple other uh, guests on the podcast who we've po- posed this question to, but I'm uh, kind of here- curious to hear what you have to say, you know, we're we're halfway through the season, and it feels like we're already down to, you know, you can almost count the the teams that have a, a real legitimate shot at the playoff on, on one hand. You've got, you know, you've got Alabama, you've got Georgia, you've got Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame is now in the mix. Uh You know, with Oklahoma losing, you technically still have West Virginia in the Big 12, but it seems like, you know, that maybe is a little bit of a long shot to have them go unbeaten from here on out. Is, is this something, you know, th- this, you know, kind of just class that that's above the rest where where you know you only have a few teams playing for four spots is that something that, that's maybe not necessarily good for uh, for the sport of college football in your opinion
1: yeah i think that's a fair conversation to have and i think it's it's what the what the playoff is sort of exposing about college football we all kind of well i shouldn't say we all a lot of people including me really wanted a playoff mm-hmm. and now that you got a playoff i think a lot of people are going oh it's just the same teams all the time it was, right <laughs> And, you know, and, and yes, that's, that's exactly it. There really isn't parity in college football. There's sort of a parity that has developed in the middle section of college football. And I, actually, Missouri, I think, is a great example of this. Missouri is at a point in its history where it can be better than it ever has been before, right? Over the last 20-odd years mm-hmm. the Pinkle era, like, historically, Missouri has been able to achieve greater heights than in, in past years because I think the middle of college football has a lot more mobility. But at the very top, this thing there's only a handful of programs that really have a championship ceiling. And it's really always been that way, in col- and now the college football playoff is starting to really expose that. So, you know, maybe you get a team from slightly off the beaten path that works its way in this year. You, you sort of listed the, the most likely teams. I still think there could be a curveball here somewhere. Um, maybe a conference or two blows up, and the Pac-12 sneaks back in. Maybe there's something going on in the Big Ten where uh, Michigan or Wisconsin recover from the early season loss, and they end up winning the Big Ten championship and beating out Ohio State, and they take a spot. But yeah, no, the, the the college football playoff has definitely come in. What has come into focus is that there are a handful of really great programs that contend for a national championship, and everybody else is just playing for good bowl spots.
0: He- The team that I wonder about, and, you know, I mean, they already won a national title last year, so I don't know if they need to get back, but (laughs) the one that wants Notre Dame to lose, last year at this time, Central Florida was ranked like 25th in the country. They're right on the edge of the top 10. If they keep winning and they get a couple upsets, could former Mizzou OC Josh Heupel and UCF sneak in this year, do you think, or is that, did we understand last year this is never going to happen?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's, there's, a, there's a scenario where it can happen. Uh, UCF is just getting screwed by the ACC because they, they schedule yeah. all these ACC schools, and then they're terrible, right? Pittsburgh is now terrible. Like, Pittsburgh is a, is a team that you could look at and say, like, Pittsburgh is capable of being a top 25 team. Georgia Tech is capable of being a top 25 team. But both of them have tanked this year. Well, I, and the Georgia Tech game didn't matter because that got that got rained out again, or weather, I shouldn't say rained out. That sort of makes light of it. They've got hurricaned out again. So they're not getting any help from their non-conference schedule, which is not completely their fault. But I, I think there is a way for a group of five team to do this. I don't think UCF's schedule is set up to do it. I even use the, the AP poll and the selection committee have nothing to do with one another, but I do sort of notice that there's a can sort of maybe take the temperature a little bit using the AP poll. And this week I you know, they're UCF's at number 10, and I kind of wondered if they're going to be stuck there for a little while in that like maybe 9, 10, 8 range because all these other teams when they get into conference play are going to have the chance to win big games. Right. And UCF plays Memphis this weekend and really doesn't play another big game for a while. I just wonder if that's if they'll do better than they did last year with the committee but there'll still be sort of a glass ceiling.
3: Ralph, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know that, that Mizzou kind of elevated its status a little bit, you know, under under Gary Pinkle and obviously moved to the SEC. Uh, I want to certainly preface this by saying we are not <laughs> pushing any coaches out the door. It's obviously a long way to go this season, and and uh, you know there's there's a lot to be decided as far as Barry future. But a lot of people, you know, kind of on our message board have started talking about, you know. You know, potentially, you know, having have him kind of on a hot seat, and I think when you start doing that, you got to kind of think who, what, what type of coach might be interested. In should a, a job like Missouri come open? So I was just kind of curious of your view on on maybe the the thirty thousand foot national view on how coaches view an opportunity like Missouri. What kind of a what kind of a job is that?
1: You know, I, I, with, but let me take it from this angle. It's hard to hire coaches at jobs that are even better than Missouri. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock at Missouri. It's an SEC school. You can do some pretty good things there they've won two SEC East. Hiring a coach is very difficult. You know, Florida had Dan Mullen sort of land in its lap, and then Tennessee, which has a lot greater tradition than a place like Missouri, was sort of scrambling for a coach. So I think what you have no- – what what I think fans sort of lose in the in the – in the process here of sort of like, oh, we've got to get a bigger name coach in here. We got like, those guys just don't move around very much, right? I mean, if you, maybe you get lucky and you get a Mike Norvell, who could be a really nice coach. And, you know, he's at, he's at Memphis now. And I think that he's a promising rising, you know, 30 something coach. And if you want to get that guy, maybe you could, I think that this, you certainly could possibly grab a Mike Norvell, but how much better is he going to be than Barry Odom? Um, And at three years, and I think that this is year three of Odo, you know, what really do you want Missouri to be? I think that, and this this goes beyond Missouri, I think I always try to get across to fans, like, your history sort of tells you who you are, and it goes back to the playoff conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, what have you been historically? What have you been recently? If you can get to that level, like, to expect a lot more out of your coach than that, is probably unrealistic. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, if a guy's doing a bad job, you don't broom him and try somebody else. But after three years, I don't, you know, Missouri seems like the type of school that doesn't want to necessarily be, like, you know, turning it over again after yep. three years. Like, are you, are you getting better, or are you just saying, okay, we'll take a chance on this young, hot, you know, hot shot coach and see if he's the guy who's got the magic potion to get us back to an SEC East championship? Like, you're not necessarily going back into that pool thinking, I'm going to get a guy who's better than Odom. You're going to get a guy who you
0: hope is better than Odom. Right, right, yeah. Uh, Last thing for you, uh, Ralph, coming into this season, like, Drew Locke, everybody viewed him as – Probably a first rounder. Like I've seen some mock drafts that say he could play his way into the first quarterback taken, which sometimes is the first overall pick. But it was this three game stretch against good defenses in Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama that was going to kind of determine that. He was okay against Georgia. He was pretty bad, albeit in a monsoon, against uh, South Carolina, and and now. Bama is is one of his last chances to make a big impression. Uh, the, the Heisman talk, all that is over. Like that, none of that is happening. But as far as Drew Locke's future next year, like is this a guy national people view as you know? Yes, yeah, still possibly first quarterback taken, or does the, does some of that fade with what's happened the last two weeks?
1: Yeah, here's the one thing I've taken away from my time in this job and talking to scouts who watch the game very differently than you and, well, I shouldn't say you and I, it's certainly.
0: Definitely than, than me. <laughs>
1: yeah, is that we sort of move these guys around stock up, stock down from week to week. That not, is really not the case. <laughs> like, they, the, the scouts, I think, sort of look at these guys in a very different way and understand that, like, hey, Georgia's got a whole lot better players than Missouri in almost every position. So we're not going to necessarily, like, judge Drew Locke solely on the fact that, like, he got knocked around a little bit by Georgia. Um, I, I'm not sure if, 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 if Locke's stock is quite as manic as you, we might think it is this year. My guess is that he will probably be a first rounder in what is not necessarily a great year for quarterbacks. Um but I don't know if again it, it it's it's quite as it's jumping around game to game as we might think. He might be something I wouldn't say a finished product. He can certainly do some things maybe against an Alabama this week, of course. But, again, like if he comes out and lays an egg against Alabama, there's probably going to be a lot of reasons for that that have nothing to do with Drew Locke that won't mm-hmm. necessarily take away from his status at the next level.
0: And there are two things we know about quarterbacks being drafted. They will always be drafted higher than you think they will, and there's a, you might get Patrick Mahomes and you might get Ryan Leaf and even <laughs> these GMs don't know.
1: Oh, no, no, that's, that's a that's a huge part of it, too, right? I mean, listen, I mean, Josh Allen was the perfect example last year of like, hey, listen, they, they were basically drafting this guy on potential. So a lot of what, you know, Sam Darnold didn't have the greatest year last year for USC through about 14 picks, and he was third overall draft pick. So uh, you're right. They're always going to be drafted a little higher, and their stock ha- w- is probably derived more of more on the lines of how does that guy's potential look at the next level than how his production looked in college.
0: Well, Ralph, we appreciate you taking the time, man. And uh, we're off to Tuscaloosa to uh, at least hear Dix- Dixieland delight this weekend. <laughs> so we've got that.
1: Good luck. It's a fun place to be. Uh, and, you know, the good thing is you can usually get your game story written pretty early.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. we're counting on it with a 6 o'clock kick. Thanks, Ralph. See you guys. Thanks. All right, Ralph Russo from the Associated Press. And, and like, especially in weeks like this, it's good to get that 30,000 foot view right. of hey we know when you're in it every day you tend to panic and overreact and mm-hmm. it, you're always you're never as good as you think and you're never as bad as you think like that's a pretty level-headed view of where A Missouri's quarterback is and B Barry Odom's job security is.
3: Right, like that that's you know something that I think and, and this is not specific to Missouri fans, but all college football fans, they, you know, they, they always think, you know, that we, we can get, we can do better. We can get, if, if, you know, they, they tend to equate the highs with where they think they can be all the time. Whereas seeing that as maybe a bit of an anomaly. And so they think we can find the next Gary Pinkle, but the, there's a reason that he's, you know, maybe the best coach in Missouri history is because there haven't been a lot of other Gary Pickles who can do that type of thing at Mizzou, and I think I think that's kind of what, what Ralph conveyed.
0: And all that said, it would behoove Barry Odom to beat a decent team at some point.
3: It would, yeah. I think it would probably behoove the whole uh, the whole athletic
0: department <laughs> a lot of people. We are going to zero in on Alabama just a little bit more here in a couple minutes, but once again, Mizzou fans, how would you like to make your mark on the world? While the Tigers do it on the field, switch your underwear to Mark Skid, the new eco-friendly underwear company started by one of you. With a call to action of Make Your Mark on the World, Mark Skid believes all brands, not just underwear, should have the same qualities as the people you admire in life. You can find humor in the brand's cheeky name, character in the way they're made with luxurious organic Pima cotton, and one upcycled water bottle in each waistband and purpose in the $4 donated on your behalf to four-star charities dedicated to save, feed, and cure the world. Go to MarkSkid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Use the code POWERMAZOO all one word, at checkout. Check if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you know how to spell that. You get 15% off your first order and free shipping in the United States. As promised, now we talk a little bit more Alabama. Um, That is the task ahead of Missouri, like it or not, Saturday evening in Tuscaloosa. And we're going to talk to Tony Sukalis from BamaInsider.com, covers the Crimson Tide for the Rivals Network. Tony, what's going on, man? Hey, good to be on. Now, uh, I have talked to a lot of people that cover Alabama this week, and, and I've asked them all the same question. Like, at some point, does following this team get boring?
2: you know i've been asked that a lot uh it, the games can get boring i mean the team obviously being in the spotlight has a lot of attention so there's a lot of angles you can you can cover but uh, the games do kind of get boring uh it's always the same thing the game story written by you know midway through the third quarter and you just kind of sit there and watch them you know watch the paint dry for the the last half of the game but uh
0: you well, know, as, I, as I guess
2: it is what it
0: is. Coming from two guys who sat through an hour and a half weather delay and couldn't write anything because we had no idea what was going to happen, like we're here for writing
3: in the middle of the third quarter every yeah, now it, and it'd again. It'd be nice to do sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um,
3: I guess,
2: but you saw about as much competition in that rain as we did uh, during the Arkansas <laughs> game. So.
3: That's a good point. Uh, obviously, Tony, you know, Tua Tagovailoa hasn't even taken a snap in the in the fourth quarter this season. That you know, all of Alabama's games have been been well out of hand, That the schedule gets a little bit tougher for them in the second half, you know, going to LSU after the rivalry game against Auburn. Do you think that it would maybe benefit uh, this team to actually get tested at some point during the regular season so that, you know, by the time they face maybe Georgia in an SEC title game or a playoff that the starters have played a full game?
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that because, uh, you know, they, they can practice that stuff during during drills and practice, and you can create scenarios, but you can't create that moment where you know you need to either grind away the clock for real in the fourth quarter, or you need to maybe even come back. Um, I guess the good thing for for Tua is that you know he got to do that against Georgia during the national championship game last year, and there's no bigger stage than that. But. Um, As far as this season and this year's bunch, you're right. Like, it it probably would help them to to face a hostile environment or a hostile situation where they have to kind of, their backs are a little bit against the wall before they have to do that against, you know, uh, uh, Ohio State or or Georgia in in either the SEC Championship game or the playoffs.
0: Uh, Tony, all the talk is about the offense, and, and understandably so. It's the best offense in college football led by, I think, certainly the Heisman favorite at this point. But I've seen some stuff, and I know Alabama lost a, a defensive back to injury. I've seen some – I don't want to say panic because that's the wrong word, but uh, dismay about the Alabama defense. They gave up 31 to Arkansas and all that. So you tell me which one of these is more true this is a good defense, but not maybe up to what we've gotten used to out of Alabama, or this is a defense that might be every bit as good as the ones Nick Saban's had, but we don't know because they haven't even had to try in the second half.
2: So it, it might be a little bit of both. It, it, you, you mentioned those games being out of hand. I mean, a lot of times it's the second string guys that have been given up the points. But just by the eyeball test, I wouldn't say it's as good as some of the better Alabama defenses. So we're not looking at the, you know, uh, I think, you know, the 2016 defense or the 2011 defense, you know, those, they don't have quite those caliber players, but it is still a good defense. Um, It's just, it's probably not as deep. And that's the thing that I think is really kind of the reason why Alabama has given up so many points is, you know, those number two guys are are really inexperienced. Um, you got a lot of young players that are in the two deep right now. Um, and so, you know, now, especially in the secondary with, you mentioned Trayvon Diggs out. Uh, so I think a lot of those guys, they aren't really ready for the big stage and you're seeing a lot of, you know, I guess, freshman struggles. And another thing too, is Alabama has not had an offense that can go up the, go up and down the field as quickly as this one can. I think they're averaging like five plays per scoring drive and so that puts the defense on the field a ton so you got you know young guys that aren't used to being on the field and maybe they're getting tired so i don't think it's as bad as maybe what's been advertised but at the same time i don't know if this is an elite defense i don't think it needs to be though mm-hmm.
3: tony obviously uh tua has gotten you know deservedly so a lot of uh, a lot of press and a lot of attention about Kind of Alabama's offensive performance, but you know he he does have a lot of uh, a lot of talent around him. Who are, who are kind of some of the other guys on that offense who uh, who maybe haven't haven't just gotten as much love? Who we might see being you know NFL stars one day?
2: Oh, jeez, like the whole yeah, story. just list them all
0: off. Just, <laughs> just read them. The yeah, I mean, like,
2: <laughs> you want me to list the starting lineup? I mean, yeah. uh, no. The, the crazy thing of, I I think about this offense is that any one of the starting receivers could go out. And you wouldn't see a drop off. I mean, Jerry Judy's probably the one that's the the highest productive receiver. Uh, but you got guys like Henry Ruggs, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddles, a five star freshman that's really impressed. I mean, all three of those guys, all four of those guys are, are essentially the same player. So it's really just a matter of who's open on every on any given play. Yeah, you know, the thing cool is he's been able to find the open man uh, way better than you know any quarterback that all of them have had. Recently. Uh, so they've got that. I mean, their second receiver is actually their tight end Irv Smith. Who no one talks about, uh, and he's second on the team in receiving it. And then, you know, like you go into the running backs with Damian Harris and Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs. And the list goes on and on forever. But, uh, I think every person I've mentioned in that whole group could could probably find his land to an NFL roster in the next couple of years.
0: Tony, I want to ask you kind of a big picture question here. You mentioned Josh Jacobs and he was a guy that Missouri was his first power five offer really late in the process. Like within a month of signing day, Missouri thought they had a really good chance. And then, then Alabama came in and offered him. And obviously he went to Alabama, but I, what I want to ask is, I mean, you're, you're talking about guys who are third, fourth string players who are, who are probable NFL guys, Do you see a point in the future where, you know, some of these guys say, hey, I know that – I know I can play in the NFL and all that, so rather than go and wait until I'm a a redshirt sophomore at Alabama – Maybe I go to this other place that, yeah, I'm not going to play for a national title every year. But, like, I'm on the field and one of the top five players on the team is a true freshman. I mean, I'm just stunned that Nick Saban manages to just stack talent upon talent upon talent. And I, I've always said the same thing about John Calipari. Like, there is a certain skill to take guys who could be the best player on 80% of college football teams and convince them to play a supporting role. I mean, how's he keep doing it?
2: Well, yeah, so I think you're half right on that because they do still have to play a supporting role. But if you look at uh, you just look at Alabama's three starting receivers last year, they all contributed as freshmen. You look in the national championship game against Georgia, you had uh, Henry Ruggs catch a touchdown pass. Devontae Smith catch the game winner. Jerry Judy had a couple of catches. Freshman Najee Harris led the team in rushing. And that's just that's in the national championship game, the biggest stage. It, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Because, you know, Alabama's been blowing teams out the last few years, and it's actually allowed them to cycle through all their players. So maybe if you're that you know big time guy, yeah, maybe you won't start your freshman year, but there's a good chance you know you're on the field a ton. Um, I think that where it comes in and selling a player is you know especially for like a running back or so like you know you're not going to get twenty carries. I don't think Alabama's going to have a twenty carry back. Uh, this year, in fact, I would be surprised if any back this year for Alabama had 20 carries in a game, and so I think that's where you got to maybe convince a player that you know you're not going to be like the bell cow guy because they're going to spread the ball around. But uh, Alabama's done a great job of getting everyone the ball, including the, the younger players. So uh, if you're look, if you know the players are looking for opportunities to get on the field they'll get them the extended plays and i think a lot of these kids you know want to be that the guy and and maybe that's the case where alabama might you know suffer from a guy that hey i want to be a 20 carry back i want to be like a derrick henry i'm just you're not really seeing that with alabama anymore because they have so much talent and they're just kind of it's really just talent by committee on on every position
3: Tony, uh, this is obviously Missouri's first trip to Tuscaloosa since joining the SEC, and and they won't be back until 2030, so I I know a lot of fans are – are trying to get down there just to uh, to see a game in Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, obviously maybe the biggest news about this game <laughs> this week is that, that Dixieland delight will make its return um, what what I know uh, it's a just store game for you guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> what just just uh, maybe g- give our listeners an idea of, of what to what to expect from uh, from this atmosphere is there is there a comparable uh, you know game venue in the country
2: uh yeah it's definitely one of the better ones uh, uh, I think Alabama fans, a Dixieland delight will help, but Alabama fans have kind of taken winning for granted. So I think there's probably more hostile environments in the SEC right now just because, you know, Alabama, you mentioned the team hasn't been tested. The fans haven't really been tested, so you really haven't seen them ratcheted up. But there's a lot of tradition, uh, and it's definitely a place you want to check out. The, The quads always rocking before the game, and Alabama tailgates well, and there's a lot of passion. I think a lot of just – with Alabama, it's so much history inside that stadium that it's definitely worth checking out, you know, if you've never been. Uh, you mentioned Dixieland Delight. That should kind of rile the fans up. Uh, it's a song from the 80s for those that aren't into not into. It's a fantastic song
0: for those of us who are old enough to know.
2: It's actually about Tennessee, so it's kind of weird that uh, Alabama loves it so much. But what they do is they
0: add curse words right. uh, to
2: the song. And, they, you know, so I think that's the reason why it's been banned. <laughs> not so, anymore, uh, though. They're gonna
0: they're gonna do it right now, right? That's what exactly. I yeah, it's gonna
2: be beat Auburn, not the other the <laughs> F Over. Yeah. We'll see how that works. I, I give it over under uh, one and a half one and a half games if I was betting on it.
0: I'm actually hoping they do it tomorrow night so that it's immediately banned again, and we were at the only game or Saturday night, and we we're at the only game they played it. But that's just me being selfish, <laughs> looking for something because this is gonna be a terrible game. Uh, last thing you get to be our. our Tourism expert. A lot of fans are getting in, you know, early, making a weekend of it. So Friday night, uh, if they're paying eight million dollars to stay in Tuscaloosa, Friday night up till the game on Saturday, what are kind of the places? Everybody's heard of Dreamland and all that, but what are the kind of the places and things they should do?
2: Yeah, you know, the the debate is between Dreamlands or Archibald. Uh, those are the two barbecue places. Uh, there's plenty of barbecue options. If you're looking for just like a, a casual you know kind of nice sit down place to eat Five's one that, that gets a lot of uh a lot of mention there's also a seafood place called chucks and if you're really looking to spend money there's a steakhouse called chop out davidson chop house i'd highly recommend that but there's plenty of good places to eat in tuscaloosa um it's a small town but it's got some some really good food options so pretty much anywhere you go you're not gonna you're not gonna go wrong um there's a lot of really cool places to drink too downtown and uh take advantage of you might not know it but uh fridays through sundays in tuscaloosa they have open carries. so you can kind of go bar to bar and and, uh, and take your alcohol with you which is always nice
0: well this is going to be a weekend <laughs> all right well tony appreciate it man we will uh see you on saturday night definitely man see you all right Thanks, tony, tony. To call us from bamainsider.com uh wow open open carry uh I don't know. We may not make it to Bryant-Denny on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, well, we're
3: getting in pretty late Friday night, so <laughs> yeah. gonna, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to figure out a time to Got, do that.
0: Got to rev it up Saturday <laughs> morning. Um, look, I I don't know, man. We we can't talk anymore about this game, but like, yeah. to me, this is like especially when you get to my age, when you get to your dad's age, like it's really easy to bitch about travel and all these things. Like this is one of those things, you get to see a football game in Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get a lot better than that. I mean, I guess it could get better if the team you covered maybe comes within four touchdowns yeah. but yeah. no
3: yeah i'm 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 really excited looking forward to it for sure just to just to kind of see the atmosphere there in uh in Tuscaloosa and Bryant-Denny Stadium and hear perhaps the last Dixieland Delight ever Ever. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it'll, i mean it it'll, it'll be fun for those reasons probably not to play on the field and and maybe i mean like 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 uh Ralph said like maybe we we could be seeing like one of the best uh football teams ever so. Right.
0: and and realistically like let's be serious what what constitutes a success on Saturday for Missouri?
3: Uh, I mean, I would say don't try – like, in the first half, don't have a play like you did in the first half against Georgia or the third quarter against South yeah. Carolina that that makes everyone want to fire the coach and don't that, get hurt. Like, don't I, yeah. have important people get hurt.
0: I mean, injuries are one thing. I, I I liken this to the game where you're down 11-2 in the fourth inning and, and the manager just tells his middle reliever, Sorry, kid, you're wearing this one. Mm-hmm. Like, I just tell – if it's 21 nothing at the start of the second quarter, I turn to Taylor Powell and say, I mean, to be blunt, we can afford to have you hurt and we can't afford to have Drew hurt. Right. so this is yours. But in all seriousness, you know what I think Missouri fans would like to see, even if it results in a 52-10 to game or whatever – Go play a clean game and make somebody beat you. Yeah, exactly. They haven't made anyone beat them this year.
3: And Alabama will.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Alabama's going to do it. I mean, like, in Georgia, I think, could have beaten Missouri, but Missouri didn't make them do it. I don't think South Carolina, had Missouri made them do it, could have beaten Missouri. Georgia can, but just go out there. Don't turn the ball over three times. Don't have seven false starts. Don't
3: have a kick block.
0: Yeah, don't don't drop a snap. Don't, you know, don't do all these things that you've done the last couple weeks, and then... Maybe you come back here and look. Who knows? Maybe you make to a play play the first series of the fourth quarter. I mean, I wouldn't count on it, but yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know, and and that really is. A, I mean, we don't mean to be completely glib about it, but let's be honest in setting some expectations here. If your expectation is I want to see my team win this game, you're probably going to be very unhappy on Sunday morning.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Save yourself. Save and yourself the uh, the unhappiness and and make it have to a play in the fourth quarter.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know, um it's happening. We will be there uh six o'clock kick. I think Tuscaloosa is still in the central time zone. Oh actually I hadn't even thought about we'll that we'll find out yeah. sometime on Saturday. Uh and we will we promise. We'll be at the stadium by kickoff. We may be walking from downtown and <laughs> see if the open container uh extends to the we press would, box. We would never but, do that. <laughs> but we promise we will be there. So uh you know thanks for listening and uh next week is next week already homecoming? Yes. Yes, it is. Homecoming, Mizzou Madness. We're going to talk all about that. Who knows? Maybe we can uh, can hook up and get Consul Martin on the podcast next week. But I uh, want to thank Mark Skid. And once again, call your attention to Track My Implants, medical technology that is moving faster than you can keep up with. More and more people receiving medical device implants such as knees, shoulders, hernia mesh, pacemakers, and more. These devices save lives, but just like car parts, they can go bad and have recalls. If you or a friend has a device with a recall, you need to know right away. Go to trackmyimplants.com to learn more and have peace of mind and notifications in real time. And about 48 hours from now, notifications in real time. Tungvaloa has thrown 19 touchdown (laughs) passes. and. it is, uh, it is a long night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but should be fun. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.